0: sometimes half-assed but always wholehearted film conversation and uh did that seem more loud than normal dave i i don't know but maybe it was maybe it wasn't but uh we'll get that taken care of next time um so dave uh i'm joined by dave canfield and my name is what's my name
1: michael cockrell
0: and dave what three movies are we talking about today what is what are we talking about today
1: Well, we've been watching movies all summer, and we are going to be talking about The Flash, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1.
0: That's right. We combined The Flash with two other movies. We thought, let's do a summer of blockbusters, or at least tempted blockbusters um, episode. I don't think there were any, uh, you know, just like when we uh, did, you know, we weren't sure we could pull out the flash we could pull out a theme out of the flash kind of feel the same way about indie and mission impossible so we kind of combine them into 3 where we could talk about the summers and movies how is the movie industry doing are blockbusters still a thing what is a blockbuster and compare these and see if we can figure out a little bit about what's going on in the uh zeitgeist or at least as filtered through our corporate overlords who made these movies um so dave you've got to, you've had a chance to see all of these i have so let's, you know, let's jump right in.
1: I mean, it's funny. You know, we saw The Flash together. Um, I think I had a lot of fun at The Flash. And uh, I guess I'll start by bringing up kind of bullet point number one for us, which is Andy Machete. Um, Andy Machete, uh, of course, is most famous for It and It 2. Uh, and uh, I believe his writing partner, um, who may even be his wife, I'm not sure. Uh, was also deeply responsible for the adaptation of those uh, Stephen King's novel and bringing those things to life and was also involved here. Um, and you think of, you know, a blockbuster, partly is the film that gets handed off to the hot up-and-comer, the person who's proven that they can be trusted with the big budget with the hopes and dreams of the studio for their uh, profit margin that, you know, that uh uh that that season and for the the fans that they're that they're going to do well by the cherished property that they're they're being given to. Um but of course you wouldn't associate necessarily it and it too with The Flash.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> you know no, scene? but you know um <laughs> I think he proved himself as a capable director and he made uh it widely popular. Of course we're talking about the new it <laughs> not the <laughs> 1980s it um but uh and he also did it too which i think was as popular that's hard to follow up on so when they were looking out there i think they're like who can we find that's you know established that we know will deliver on this this is a piece of um you know uh intellectual property that is on its second or third iteration much like it too was you know, he did a great job with It too. made it fresh, made it new. It was as big as the original It. Can he make The Flash as big as Justice League? Um, well, he didn't, but he tried. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because It too, you know, It too was criticized. It it, it, it didn't get the reviews. I think it actually was more imaginative in some ways. Um, it certainly had an amazing cast. Um the thing that that it had, what is, it, is it brought a new cast. Uh, Sophia Lillis, of course, has gone on to be a big, a big star. She's an amazing new find, and uh, just it was, um, it was just something else, and it was scary. It was really genuinely scary. I recall people loving
0: it too. Um, I thought it too was was beloved by fans, but. Uh... Yeah, I don't remember what the critics' reviews were of it.
1: Well, I don't remember exactly what the box office was here either, but I do think it was a wise move to move over to Machete for The Flash, and he is tackling a huge story here. I and mean, how long is it? It's over two hours long, right? It's two and a half.
0: It's pretty long. long. It's pretty long for a comic book movie. It's not as long as our other movies, but it's, it's pretty long. Um, how are you on the DC Universe in general, Dave? What are you, how are you feeling about it?
1: Ah, oh, painful, man. You know, I still haven't gotten up the gumption to watch the four-hour cut of Snyder's, uh, you know, Justice League. But I, you know, if I got to choose between the movie universes, I'm probably going to choose Marvel just because I know I'm always going to at least have fun at a Marvel movie. This movie tries to have a lot of fun, and I think it's at its best when it is having fun. And it's, and it's at its best when it's leaning on its performers. And I think Machete is a better director. I hate to say this than Zack Snyder. I like some Zack Snyder films. quite. Wow. So I have Zack Snyder films that I count in. I think his Dawn of the Dead is very good. I think 300 is a very interesting film uh, and really gorgeous to look at. I think, uh, um, the Legends of Ga'ul, which is this incredible animated film he did, is a wonderful film. But, but, but this, this is more the direction I hope DC is going to start going, because man, they got to inject some fun and some sense of, um, I don't know, lighthearted adventure or whimsy into what they're doing because it's just dour. Man.
0: They've really been trying. I'm still reeling from the fact that you said Machete's would be a better director. Machete is a better director than Zack Snyder. That's blowing my world. Um,
1: you like Zack Snyder better?
0: Uh we're talking about the guy who made it versus Three Hundred. You, you know, what, the Wonder Woman, Watchmen, Man of Steel. Didn't uh, make Wonder Woman. Oh, he directed it though, right?
1: No, he did not direct it.
0: All right. I got that one wrong. Yeah, Who directed no, that? I,
1: uh I can't remember but uh again a better choice for a character that needs to have and show a lot of heart. And
0: Patty Jenkins to, was the director.
1: Yeah, and needs to show that it needs to show I, that I that look,
0: thing. I love Watchmen. I I love that adaptation. I think we've talked about it bef- before on here and uh I think that's one of the best superhero movies made. I know that's not a popular opinion, but he'll be forever in my heart for that reason. What do
1: you think uh, of the DC universe? What do you think of it? At this point?
0: That's a rough one. You know, um, I recently watched Black Adam on a on a flight, and you know, Black Adam's post credit series actually has uh, the 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 sad sad uh, fact of being the last time that um, Henry Cavill plays Superman. In the post-credit, he got fired not long after that. And I got to say, it was horrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was on the same flight, and I could hear you moaning across the plane. I thought we were going down.
0: <laughs> we, yeah. Um, look, the, the DC Universe is okay. I love it, you know. Um, you know, Pierce Brosnan plays Dr. Fate in Black Adam, which is fascinating, uh but they almost got that part right but yeah they're uh i'm not giving a strong opinion here but what i'll say is it's very lukewarm it's nothing to write home about there are some good marvel movies but it's hard to say besides man of steel and maybe uh justice league that there are good dc movies they're all just kind of meh and increasingly i feel that way about marvel too honestly and you can know, see where really DC sucks, started to try to be like the darker version of Marvel. Like if you go back to Batman versus Superman and even kind of Man of Steel, not even kind of – base Man of Steel. If you go back to that, um, it, it, it's um, – you kind of see where they kind of tried to be funny again and they, they came back to it.
1: Well, and of course, you know, we do have to include Joker. We do have to include um... – the, uh, the Batman. Um, and uh, The J- Joker was a huge hit. I think it's a very interesting film. I, I like it as a film. I have misgivings about it uh, uh, that we've talked about a lot before on the show. However, I am looking forward to the next one. The Batman, I thought, was wildly overlooked at the awards season last year. I thought it was such a good movie. Um and Those goes,
0: are in a different universe, though. Those are not. I'm not arguing they're not DC movies, but they're not in right. the same universe with the other ones. Yeah, I have. Uh, I want to love DC so bad. We know we. I talked about how I love the DC animated uh, universe. When did I talk about that? I don't remember. But at some on some podcast, I talked about how I love the DC animated universe. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. What can I say? The Flash. I I didn't love it, Dave. It was kind of a little much for me. I mean, it's I, I I'm not a big Flash fan, Flash the Flash fan. Uh, I, I I the villain was kind of like generic. I loved General Zod coming back because I love uh, General Zod. I think he's one of the best things going in the DC universe, and apparently they agree because they keep bringing him back. Um, I, I kind of liked seeing alternate versions of people. But they went too far. And you know, after the Flash, Dave, I said, I'm o I'm ODing on the all on the multiverses. That's and bad. uh as much as I love seeing alternate supergirl and I loved seeing, you know, we're gonna talk about the epic ultimate Batman that we alternate universe Batman we get to see in, in the Flash. But as much as I love to see those, it's been done so fucking much at this point that I can't take it anymore. Um yeah.
1: And you know how you know how seldom Mike swears. I gotta tell you, uh, there, yeah, and I get it because he, here are things I loved about the Flash and really enjoyed: Michael Keaton coming back, so fun, pretty well used. I
0: hey, liked- before we get to that, I just gotta say, Dave, do you know the exact moment? when I started ODing on the multiverses during the Flash. When When we're getting getting callbacks to versions of Superman that never even existed, (laughs) we're getting references to universes that don't even exist. And you know exactly the moment I'm talking about. That's when I'm like, I am officially ODing.
1: I know exactly the moment you're talking about. Now, for me, I stood up and cheered. I actually had a moment in this movie when I stood up and cheered because when I was a kid, let me tell you what. When a comic came out and the Hulk crossed over into somebody else's world or whatever, that was like, oh, this is cool, you know? I get, I get to see them together and I get to see them in another thing. And when you're a kid, you're also easily amused <laughs> for the most part. And so um, in no way did she disparage the great work of Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all the other people that brought those characters to life for me, but It just hasn't been done all that well or all that interestingly in the movies. We're telling the same stories and types of stories over again. We're not producing, you know, the the stakes don't seem as high uh, as they need to be for the level of spectacle that's being thrown at us and the length of the films. Um, And, uh, you know, getting back to Michael Keaton, I loved Michael Keaton in this movie. I just wish it was in a better movie. I also loved, and I'm going to say, Supergirl. Supergirl in this movie, I would watch anything she's in. I hope they make a Supergirl movie. She's great. But um, there's almost just too much going on. And the sad thing is, is, there are some things going on in The Flash that sort of raise the emotional stakes and whatnot, but it's just an awful lot. And I, I I feel like it, uh, at at the end I'm in the same boat you are. I just feel there's a um, there's a franchise just floundering there.
0: Yeah, it was too much, and it's too much coming at me all at once. And it's there's just like a darkness to the Flash movie that I don't like. There's like a fatalism to it that doesn't ring true to me. It's not the kind of superhero movie I like to see. Um, that has to be done really well to me, and I don't, you know, I'm talking about the inevitability of defeat, and you know, I some would say acceptance, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like that just doesn't. I like to see the superheroes win. I'm very traditional, and and even if you have a, a darker take on it, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, what I think is the ultimate series for alternate universes. It was. It's on Disney Plus. It's called What If. It's kind of based on the Marvel What If oh, yeah. series. Like um, uh, the, the best one of the comics. I don't think this one was actually done for the animated series, which is what I'm recommending. But I think the best one, if you want to get the comics, is What If Punisher killed the Marvel Universe. <laughs> that's where the Punisher kills every superhuman on Earth. Uh, and yeah, that's a great one. But they didn't do that one in the What If. That would be a long episode. Uh, but they have like, what if, uh, what if Thor was an only child? Um, what if, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? So that's right. that's like I think it at its best. Um, Wanda Vision was pretty good too, but it's just been too much of that, and I, I wish they would have gone a different direction here. And it was kind of painful to see uh, Supergirl get defeated over and over again after just being introduced to that great character um and far better than the superman I, I i'm not a big fan of the superman uh series that just wrapped up i think it was on netflix maybe wb actually i wasn't WB. a big fan of that i like this super this supergirl better i said superman but supergirl better um yeah i think it's a great character bring you her know, back and bring batman michael keaton batman back i liked michael keaton batman he kind of carried the movie
1: speaking of you know speaking of characters um It's interesting because I think each one of these three movies we're going to talk about has uh, a little bit of a shadow, an elephant in the room, if you will. I know I used that phrase a minute ago, but this is for something different, um, that bears conversation. Uh, The Flash did not do well at the box office. Uh, Of these three films, it did the least well. Um, It did astonishingly not well, um, uh, given the level of hype it had. Um, And uh, the reviews that came out about it, which were largely positive and a lot of that was based on the performances and especially the performance of Ezra Miller, who, of course, famously uh, had had a very, very bad year um, with his mental health and engaging in, uh, you know, some behavior that would get people typically, you know, kind of like ruin their entire career. Um, I, I, you know, it's like it, I'm a big person that when it comes to separating the art from the artist, uh, I like to do that. Uh, I like Roman Polanski movies. Um, there's, there's lots of stuff I watch, um, and, and listen to, you know, I watch Kevin Spacey movies, um, um. All that kind of thing, but uh, I'm also I'm also a person who likes second chances, and I like it when I see people who seem to be going out and trying to get help. And I, when I see the industry actively, maybe trying to actually support the process in the right way for that person. I know that Ezra Miller at the uh, premiere for this film came out. Um, they very simply said, uh, and I apologize if I have misgendered, um, them in any way or screwed up the pronouns for, for Ezra, I know they like they, so, um, they came out, they thanked people that had been trying to help them. Um, they thanked the studio for getting behind that process. And instead of subjecting the world to a great big, circus which i'm sure any interviews would have been um they moved on and let the chips fall wherever they were going to fall and here's where they fall i don't know that that was because of the bad publicity surrounding him or not um or them or not but um i feel strangely ambivalent about this um I didn't feel the need to punish that uh, individual um, by not seeing the movie or that studio by not patronizing the movie with a review. Um, But neither um, neither do I really feel like I know exactly what's going on there because Hollywood is such a mess and it's a land of illusion and who the hell knows if somebody is really getting their act together or not. Um, so Mike, that's kind of my two cents on the controversy. I don't, do you have anything to add to that or push back on that or questions about that? You know,
0: um, what do I have to add to that? I don't know the details of the controversy. I've heard some pretty un. I've heard some things about how he got into trouble, how they got into trouble. Um, it's not very flattering. I don't want to speak about it because, you know, it's like it's unconfirmed kind of rumory. But yeah, they were up to some nasty things, it appears. And uh, they must have great management and agents because how you are still acting after that kind of publicity with one of the largest flops in the history of the movie industry, The Flash, you said it didn't do very well. It lost 200 million dollars. It is one of the oh, biggest wow. flops in, in a decade. Um, wow. I'm not. They they're incredibly talented. Like they have a lot great range and like great charisma. It's a. They are a great actor. Ezra Miller is a great actor. But yeah, I just want that agent's number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope I believe in second chances too. And um, but I'm just just thinking about. Jonathan Majors. We know one little thing about his story and he's right. done, dropped. So it's like, I just, I don't understand the inner workings, but I'm glad they're trying to make amends, it seems to it, or at least they're being pushed to make amends. Um, and I always separate the art from the artists. A lot of artists are, have extreme personalities. So I think it'd uh, be pretty difficult to, if you're always looking for that squeaky clean art artist it's going to be pretty pretty hard now um uh, i mean yeah but i don't if it turns out that ezra miller is a a serial rapist right i'll take my words back because there are some lines that i won't won't cross but um right yeah i i i just kind of i get kind of tired of that conversation it's like it's the one conversation everyone wants to have it's almost like was more successful than the movie's marketing
1: That's an interesting point. I mean, I think that definitely, definitely for me, I love it when somebody finds some form of redemption in this world. Uh, Hollywood is a merciless business. Um, It is absolutely soul-sucking. All you have to do is talk to anybody who's in it who is willing to be honest about it. It is very difficult for people who have been in it for years, much less for people between the ages of, you know, being a child actor on the way up to being like probably at least 30 years old to know how to deal with the kind of success and the attention uh, and the stress and the pressure Um that said it's in no way to excuse anything um and i mean that from the absolute bottom of my heart and i would hate for my comments to be understood as anything more this is my attempt uh as a critic as a fan as a human being uh to explain to myself how i continue to explore this world of the movies and art and Speaking about it in public, um, I I am happy. I am happy to have somebody else, um, you know, put out there, if they think I've said or done anything e- egregious in 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 the way I've approached any situation. But but my inclinations are always going to be to hope for the best. Um, maybe that makes me a little naive. But I do, I do hope for the best here. I hope that uh, this person does continue to act, and geez, I hope DC gets their act together. <laughs> and I hope this doesn't hurt Andy Machete's career either, because um, he's helped some big projects, and I think he's done so with a plum. I'll be honest with you; I thought The Flash was a lot better than than Doctor Strange's last movie, um, which I liked and had a lot of fun at. Uh, so I'm not really sure exactly what the problem was here, but there you have it. We're going to move on to the next one.
0: Sure. Why don't you take okay. us in?
1: Okay. Um, I think I know why Mike is letting, let me take us in. I first saw Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. wasn't called Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. When I saw it at the theater, um, no cable, no, video cassettes, no, nothing. It came out, you went to go see it, it disappeared forever. And the thought that I was never going to get to see that movie again was too much to bear. I went to go see it seven times. It is a perfect film. It is a film for me in the Pantheon next to any American film ever made. It is the embodiment of what it sets out to be And an incredibly inspiring, marvelous, adventurous, whimsical film. Um, So naturally, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. And loved Temple of Doom. Different movie. Had some flaws. Definitely scores high on the probably wouldn't be made the same way today meter for good reason. Um, But... um, led us into Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which, again, is an astonishingly good film. Um, so I have a love for that trilogy that's just deeply personal and tied to all sorts of things, and I think it's a great trilogy. Then we get Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, my. That's a bad movie. I have sat and tried to watch it. There are set pieces in it that I enjoy. It's a bad movie it's just a bad movie if you've grown up watching it and it it made you love indie or whatever good that's great but it's a bad movie um i have to say as a critic, um for what it does with the character for everything so when they announced the new movie and they announced that james um uh, mangold is going to direct it number one james mangold makes very good movies I think he's being trusted with a script that Harrison Ford liked that all the creative entities could live with. Um, I think maybe Lucas had a little bit less input this time. I think that's generally (laughs) a good thing when it comes to the way things are written. I don't think that's ever been George's forte. Um, but you know, we're all on pins and needles. What's going to happen. And I think what happened for me was this, uh, marvelous sort of love letter um and a tip of the hat to the character of, and a fantastic performance by ford indiana jones of the dial of destiny uh is a film i would watch again um i'm really curious uh to hear what you thought of it mike
0: you know it is um it is one of those movies and i think all of our three movies to a lesser extent, Mission Impossible kind of have the same impact on me, which is not much impact at all. In that, I feel like the the, the plots are very predictable, the storylines are pretty predictable, the action sequences are pretty streamlined and straightforward. Um, I'm taking Mission Impossible out of that. Mission Impossible was was pretty fun. I, Indiana Jones. It's it, and it's not that they're bad. It's and it's it's not that they're bad it's that I, I, I never feel built bought into any of them because it does feel so um, it's like a lunch, you know, it's like a, it's like eating a lunchable. It's so processed and so compartmentalized. It's like, we've got your cracker here and you're here. And, and as much as Harrison Ford can transcend that, which he does slightly transcend that in, in his performance it still is around that framework of like a lunchable ready made to eat kind of generic. And, you know, I do love the, the, I do love Indiana Jones. I do think those are great movies. And I think what this movie was missing for me and me and Dave, we talked about this. How could we not? Is like the mystery and the adventure They're they're yeah. redoing so much of what we've already seen um, that it's like, I, it's like I have that sense of predictability and, you know, it's like, I'm watching something that I know and that just doesn't always hold my interest. Uh, and so it wasn't bad and I didn't get bored. You know, it wasn't like the Jurassic park effort, you know, Jurassic park, rural dominion. Oh. It wasn't like that, where that was just bad. Um, it, it, it had enough love and heart in it to keep me interested but it, it, it kind of fails in comparison to something with a little bit more soul like mission impossible that just kind of like kind of drips charisma. And, you know, it feels like mission impossible. Like when we talk about it is like a, it, I feel like it is a, um it's a, a, a franchise that's still in stride and Indiana Jones is one that's going out. That's on its way out. Okay. And I think they could have tried a little bit harder to hand off the series as well. Like if they had involved, um, like I'm glad Harrison Ford was in that and, and he's one of the best parts of the movie. But if, if they had involved the other characters, if we're supposed to really be handing this off to, um, uh, I forget the actress's name, but if we're supposed to be handing Amy this off Walter to the new, Bridge. Amy Walter Bridge, yeah. If we're supposed to be handing Indiana Jones off to her and the, her teenage sidekick who like is barely talks at all in the whole movie. I wish it would have been a little bit more about that, but you know, it, Making a movie is hard. <laughs> making a movie with a bunch of stars is hard. You, when you have Harrison Ford, if they had done that, we might be sitting here talking about how you make an indie movie with no Harrison Ford in it. I don't care about Phoebe Walter Bridge. You know, you know. Th- then people would be saying that. Trust me. <laughs> so it's um, yeah. it's you 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 can't win. You know, you have to please yeah. the studio by making this this movie that appeals to the broad demographic and like hits all the notes for the fans. It also has Harrison Ford in the lead, but at the same time hands it off to Phoebe Walter Bridges. So it's it's that's a hard note to, to sing.
1: Well, there's one other there's one other thing we want to talk about with this movie, but I, the one th- last thing that I'll say about Indiana Jones is that you know part of me does want to revisit the glory of those first three movies and the action set pieces and the 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 thrills, you know. Um, and something about American cinema that they embody, you know, this idea of the hero and good guys and bad guys and ad- adventure and, you know, but um, but confronted with, you know, the 80-year-old face um, for most of the movie of, of uh, Harrison Ford, um, there's an inescapability there as well. That makes me just want to sit down with Indy and hold his hand for a minute and just be glad he's there. And this movie has an unusual approach to the character. It's a more laconic Indiana Jones. It has some good set pieces, but I think at its heart and soul and center is this person trying to figure out whether they still matter in the world. And whether people really understand the life that they have led to get where they are. There's a moment in the film where Indy loses a friend, is killed. And he's very shocked by that in a way that you don't see in any of the other Indiana Jones movies. Um, Those would be action beats or beats that are genre beats in those movies. In this movie, it's a simple human moment. And... um, I'm grateful for an Indiana Jones movie that does that. Um, and grateful that they didn't kill Harrison Ford. <laughs> Making it. Because it turned 81 yesterday or the, the day before. Spoiler. Now that said, that said now we're going to talk about the problematic thing. The de-aging that you may have heard about.
0: What say you, Mike? So when I went to saw Indiana Jones... The um, the uh, SAG strike had just started that day, or the day before, maybe. If I got, I might have my dates wrong. And of course, the writers have been on strike for like months. Um, and you know, when writers went on strike, everyone is very concerned about AI. So the fear is, okay. Part of me thinks that it's just like a, something to keep the story in the news, but there is a real fear that the studios and those who have the checkbooks could use AI to just recreate stories, to just like make me a Han Solo story, make me an Indiana Jones story. You type that in and it will write you. I could do it right now and and Bard or ChatGPT will write you an Indiana Jones script. And so the fear is that those types of technologies will replace a lot of work. And if you look, all of our shit is franchises. Everyone is making a franchise. They want the same characters. All these aging Gen X people just want to go see Harrison Ford for the rest of their lives. So the fear, I'm joking there, (laughs) Dave. The the fear is that that is going to take a lot of people's jobs and creativity and livelihoods. Um, Probably in the reverse order. Livelihoods, creativity, and jobs. Uh, And boy, was I feeling that during that first long sequence when they had nothing but CGI robot Harrison Ford, the star of, a, of, a, of a, at least the first part of a movie. And, you know, before that, I was like, this isn't real. It's too much. People are making too big of a deal out of it because, you know, I, I use ChatGPT. And no, I was like, oh, shit, this could actually happen. They're going to replace every freaking writer with de-aged scripts and de-aged Harrison Ford. And, you know, we talked about in The Irishman, that's like already kind of a trigger for me. It's like just hire younger people, write new things. Easier said than done. But the fact of the matter is they're, they would, they're willing to do it. They will do it. They will, you know, just look at them. Um, let me give you an example. There's a show, Dave, called Peppa Pig. <laughs> it's an <laughs> animated television series from Great Britain. Um, tremendously successful. And they have all-star animation. They have all-star voice cast. And if you go onto YouTube there is a show on youtube called peppa pig tales brought to you by the same makers of peppa pig and they have what they have done is they have used computer animation to make a much more streamlined um less costly animation product and hired cheaper voice actors to imitate the original voice actors so it is computerized peppa pig animation done cheaply with computer with software voiced by cheaper voice actors who are doing parodies of the original voice actors. This is the nightmare of everyone in the arts uh, that you will be replaced by a computer voice or a person who's willing to do it for $5 an hour. And you're going to have a de-aged Harrison Ford CGI saying the lines of a robot that the robot wrote. So that was on my mind (laughs) during that whole scene.
1: I'm really glad to hear you say that because on the one hand, um, I loved seeing that they were able to do that and it really isn't, they do an amazing, they're there going to be people who say otherwise. My opinion is they did an absolutely amazing job. De-aging Harrison Ford. It's the best I've ever seen. Um, it's just simply the best. I mean, far and away. However, there were moments when the mouth wasn't quite there around the words, or you could tell that um, I-, I thought anyway that they had filmed aging Ford, um, who has a distinctly more bow-legged walk than young Ford, who was also a little bow-legged. Um, uh, and you go, yeah, this is the older Ford's legs. They got they didn't fix the gait uh, of his walk. Um, in the, in the CG process. That said, I think that, um, I have heard, you know, shockingly little, uh, from the people controlling the money in Hollywood, uh, that makes me think that they don't have, uh, um, that they're looking out for the best interests of everybody involved. And I think that includes you and I, because, as fun as it is to watch um, to watch Harrison Ford get de-aged, I think that there's something really important about, about the human aspect of film. And we're going to lose that if we aren't careful. And we're going to lose it for bread and circuses. And if you think we live with bread and circuses now in our society where we're constantly drawn to various light shows and soundscapes and, you know, and images and, you know, um, you haven't seen anything yet because they're going to be able to pump this stuff out like nothing as long as people will watch it. And by the way, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. I'm not against, you know, Super Mario Brothers, I think we figured out, is the number one worldwide box office for the summer. I'm fine with that. Is it a good movie? No. Oh, God, no. No, it's not a good movie.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go on. (laughs) Super Mario Brothers is is good. The new one? Oh, wait. Are we talking about the animated Super Mario Brothers?
1: No, Chris Pratt. The Chris Pratt, Super Mario. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So anyway, the, the, the thing about that is is this. I watched lots of different things growing up. Um, that's part of who made me who I am. Some of that helped me to become a, uh, a person who writes about film, loves about film, talks about film. There's room for all of that, and that's fine. But that's all we're going to have, except for certain prestige projects and other things because at the end of the day you can't have just money control everything and that's what this is this is just about money and it's a wildly imbalanced way of looking at, at entertainment and recreation of art and that's yeah. what, that's that, that's what people are fighting against
0: chris pratt super mario brothers is good dave come Did on that's it? a pretty good
1: i've seen it yeah oh man maybe i on a very small
0: watch. screen it's a kids it's right? movie but it's oh, man, yeah. It's like, hey, it's simple. pretty good. It's got Jack Black. Come on, as browser. Anyway, so you know, I, I, it's like I, there'll always be art. It's just how accessible is art to everyone, and what is art? And, you know, to me, art is when you're making an emotional or a personal connection through something you created, and that's really what's at risk here. If you turn on certain stations, certain genres of music, um you know, like it, it's not just country music, but country music fits the bill. You know, there's certain segments of country music and it's, they're just generated lists of things that make people feel comfortable. So it's like, I like this, 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 you know, I like cold beer going down with my truck. That's what things are going to be. If you don't purchase and advocate for real connection, you're just going to have Dr. Strange and the List, 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 list. Doctor Strange goes back and saves Kennedy. Doctor Strange goes back and kills Hitler. You know, it, that's all there's going to be. People is going to be doc, well, computer-generated. Doctor Strange going to computer-generated script that has been designed to make you have a connection to it, or try to have a connection to it.
1: Simon Pegg in our next um, is in the next movie we're going to talk about. Let's get it's pegged. Like, let's let's like talk Peck. about Simon. But Simon said a wonderful thing. And um, I think a lot of people have chimed in and had really creative, interesting things to say um, about this. And and what makes me laugh, of course, is I'll take Simon Pegg and John Cleese and Fran Drescher and any other actor any any day of the week over listening to some guy in a suit who makes $225 million a year explain to me how unfair actors are and everything else. The vast did you pick Fran
0: Drescher on, Pe- on purpose? You know Fran Drescher, right?
1: I damn well did Yeah, she's the
0: president purpose. of SAG. <laughs> yeah,
1: I damn well did say it on purpose, and the reason is because um, not only not only is the nanny going to make a comeback, you wait and see, it's going to be huge again. But um, I'm kidding. But but the but the point is that you know these like everything you just said about connection. Is, is is what's important here. And Simon Pegg, a couple of days ago, he said that um, there isn't any computer algorithm that's ever broken up with their girlfriend or been traumatized or gone through any any aspect of the human condition. And while you and I may feel things you know, um, uh, when we watch anything, computer generated or not, the the goal of art is that we touch one another. Is that there's somebody on the other end of that that has validated your experience of life or made you think about your experience of life or plug into it in a different way that you might not have considered otherwise. And you will consider doing that not only because what they did was compelling, but when you get right down to it, that's another living, breathing human being who who has who's alive, and you can't just disengage and you know you don't have an out there that's as easy to get to. Um, Roger Ebert, and I'll close with this, said that m- movies are little empathy machines and every year Chaz Ebert his uh, his, um, his his wife will take uh, and they send a fleet of trucks around the city of Chicago um, that are called empathy trucks and they are there for the sole purpose of getting people connected and that is the most organic beautiful expression of, a, of what Roger as a critic tried to do with his writing and what he believed that the movies do for other people uh, and do for people and so yeah needless to say I'm on the side of the writers and the actors and everybody else in this but um having brought up this the, the this Simon Pegg um he is in probably what I, I guess is the movie we like most of these three yeah um, it seems like mission impossible
0: like the the flash and um indie they do kind of seem like they're just made in a laboratory to pull in people who already like those things sorry guys but you know they they sometimes overcome that but mission impossible to me has the most charisma has the most heart um i and i think it comes down to the quality of the actors involved they i um, you know actors do some you know i might talk about actors sometimes in in, in you know <laughs> jokingly derogatory sense but no, actors make or break movies. They deserve the money they get. Because um, this scripture is hell ain't good. <laughs> this script is downright pathetic in some parts, Dave, where like the guy's looking at the camera telling you, we have to get this key. This key will save the world. You know what saves you from that moment is how charismatic Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise are. Tom Cruise is the last movie star. It is, uh, yeah, this movie is is kind of a mile ahead of the others.
1: I love the sentiment. I'm not sure I quite go there. I think there are other movie stars, but I do agree about Cruz. is certainly one of the best. And he has weathered a long career and his share of being out in public doing weird shit, and yet people continue to be interested in his movies he's made some movies that weren't that great i mean the mummy is a great example uh, of 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 a movie the huge flop that he was involved in um but man the mission and i've said this before the mission impossible franchise under his care is basically what the james bond franchise uh has not consistently been um, but it
0: has been at some moments. Hey, there's some good some James moment, Bond. I,
1: there are some yeah. great James Bond movies, Craig, Craig on up. There's some great ones. But generally speaking, man, they're on a roll with these Mission Impossible movies.
0: They are, and I suggest Dave you you look up Tom Cruise as the last movie star. And uh, there, are, I'm not I'm not suggesting that Tom Cruise is the last person who can carry a movie, which is one definition of a movie star. But in terms of mystique and not being approachable, like I know things Uh, about Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a movie star, but I know personal, intimate details, which I cannot share here about Leonardo DiCaprio. Tom Cruise to everyone is a fucking mystery. And that's that's kind of what I mean by when he's like the last movie star. And he can he can take a movie and. um, uh, Expand upon it. Simon Pegg talks about this a little bit too, about how he's friends with Tom Cruise, but there's always a little layer there. You know, it's kind of like back in the old days. He's, it's, he's really the last one like that. Um, but certainly not the last person who can carry a movie. There are people yeah, that can carry a movie still.
1: Yeah. And that's a weird thing. And, you know, I mean, I suppose that's worked in his favor at the box office. Um but really you know I, I I think you know you come back to this over and over again with him in his career is he's an, he's a really great actor he's a very very good actor and in top of being a very 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 good actor, you see him do things in his movies you think of people like Jackie Chan um, there's a scene in this movie and it's in the trailer where you watch Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle off of a um, very funky cliff face. Wearing a parachute and free fall. And open that chute. And he did this four times for the film. And um, there's it's it's a breathtaking thing to watch. It's it's it does add to the experience of, you know our desire to believe in these sort of super spies that are out there and that get to live the adventurous lives that we don't get to live. Um, but on top of that, Ethan, Ethan in this movie is a real character. He's got feelings. He's got regrets. He's got guilt. He's got remorse. And he's surrounded by this fun cast. Um, And, uh, you know, it's what, two hours and 46 minutes long. Did you think this was too long or did it have the heart for you to sustain your interest?
0: You know, it could have been a little shorter, but, you know, it it sustains it. It sustains it. Um, And, you know, the thing about these Mission Impossible movies, in a way that DC, the DC movies fail. You know, I talked about how the DC movies try to interject humor. Like they kind of did a U-turn at Justice League and tried to make it funny which was kind of not working with the tone they'd set before. Um, Mission Impossible in this movie seamlessly for me added a lot more humor, a lot more slapstickness, made um, Tom Cruise's character a lot more human. They really, um, that's probably a credit to the direction, to be honest. Uh, they they probably, uh, not, I'm not going with the plot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, the script. I'm not going with the script.
1: The the script
0: has some issues, but yeah, the direction and the the charisma of the stars, like they were able to add new things in, make add more humor into it, which I think worked really well. Whereas, like you can see that kind of failing in the DC movies. Certainly in Black Adam, it failed. Uh, I don't even like. I wanted to love that movie, Dave. You have no idea, but like all the DC movies, like they're they're so. I just love watching them. But I don't love watching them. Like, I love, like, if I just, I should just put them on mute. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Pierce Brosnan, I gotta say, Dave, Pierce Brosnan and is Dr. Fate.
1: Adam is pretty good.
0: He does a pretty good job. Um, I,
1: I gotta tell you, I love that you brought up the script thing about Mission Impossible because we hadn't mentioned it to each other yet. And yet, I do think it needed to be said. The script to the new Mission Impossible movie is silly. And the way that they deal with AI in it is like matrix light. I mean, it's really like if you, think of a, if you think of the Matrix trying to deal with that in an intelligent way, this is a movie that just uses it purely as a MacGuffin, no matter what else it says it's doing. And, okay, it raises the specter of the things that we're all afraid of when it comes to kind of being out, um, you know, funk by our technology – but uh, it's really just an excuse uh, for the movie to engage in all the, you know, the, 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 the characters wearing masks and performing these crazy stunts and, um, and uh, you know, talking about their relationships and stuff with one another. There's, there's a, a great moment in this film where um, Cruz is, uh, is trying to figure out how to work a car because it's a car that's been programmed by the, by the, you know, the, the, the organization, you know, that he works for. And watching Ethan, you know, try to struggle to do something is funny because we think of him as cool and collected and always knows what to say and to do and can get himself out of any situation and now he's about to die because he can't get, get he, he's about to die because he can't figure out how to make this completely goofy looking car uh, start and drive straight. I mean, it's just such a great it's a, it's such a great little bit. And the movie's full of little bits like that that don't just sort of like create a one note joke be because they're traded off between characters and there's the it's got a lot of surprises in it. Um this movie, and that, also... and that scene
0: subtly ties in to other thematic elements of the film, where it's not yeah. just like a Family Guy where they cut away to a funny scene and come back. Which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, but it's not just that. It's not a non sequitur. It's it's it does tie thematically back into it in ways that, like, I think would be a little spoilery. But um, yeah, well, I, so I
1: overall overall again, you know, there's the AI thing. I don't really feel compelled to explore the AI element of this film. Like I said, it, it really just does seem to exist for our entertainment. It's the, Um, it's the bad guy
0: du jour, really. Um, and you know, again, with the, with, I'm very impressed by the direction of this. Um, you know, no one talks about Christopher McQuarrie as like one of the great directors, but I will say that that opening scene, there are a couple scenes in the movie that just shouldn't work because they're just so fucking cheesy cursing so much yeah for instance the opening scene is like kind of directly lifted from the hunt for red october they both open with and i was like gonna nudge you that nudge you there but they both open with the submarines and like russian to english talking and we have a super secret sub and that scene where they're like fighting the u.s sub uh the phantom u.s sub works for me and on the paper it should not work because that is no. so cheesy but because the direction in editing let's not leave out our frenzy editors because the direction and the editing is so tight feels great you feel that tension and you're already in mission impossible you're there to have fun it works great
1: and if there's a lot back- of scenes
0: like that that i think are saved by by just the the cast and the crew
1: if you go back to that first mission impossible movie there's humor in it and there's an acknowledgement and particularly because we have characters wearing these masks that are supposed to make them look exactly like someone else. And then they pull the mask off and we all know how that's done, right? It's completely CGI, right? There is no mask or if there is a mask, it certainly doesn't work as well as they say it does, but that's the whole point of mission impossible is we all wish that we lived in a universe where that, where that was, there were spies like that and that there was stuff that happened like that. Um, and, uh, I think that that is innately ridiculous, too. So we get to have our cake and eat it, too, in this movie, because this is a movie that understands its own concept. Its I own think own Mission
0: concept. Impossible has always been ridiculous and, uh, what, what do I want to say, um, exaggerated. But I feel like this movie upped the outright humor. We're talking about a scene that only exists for laughs, that wasn't as common in the previous Mission Impossibles. I, I'd have to go back and watch them. But no, it's always been a ridiculous, silly world like that. Hunt for Red October ripoff is that's totally fit. Could have fit in any of the Mission Impossible movies. But the car scene where they're just stuck in the car and it's kind of like a joke about sexual performance, wink, wink. Uh, that I don't recall seeing movie scenes like that in the previous. In the fact that we know that. Ethan's getting older and I'm just saying the thematic things that I avoided saying earlier. But we know Ethan's getting older and he's not as successful and as good at everything as he used to be. I think it totally plays in and but I don't remember scenes like that in um the last excellent Mission Impossible movie, the one with the the nuke in it, Fallout. What was it called? Yeah, I think Fallout.
1: Yeah, um, and which is an which is an amazing film.
0: They've all, they've always kind of left the humor up to like Simon Pegg. But in this movie, I feel like um Ethan was was the object of humor a little bit more.
1: Well, oh, absolutely, and and also and also they leaned. I I think they leaned on all these characters. Oddly enough, the moments where the script works in this movie um, is when the performers grab a hold of it at moments where the characters are supposed to be concerned for one another, um, offer one another, you know, some some support um weirdly enough i actually began to invest in these characters the way that i invested in james bond in casino royale in that first daniel craig movie where they introduced the fact that you know for instance in that movie that that he's uh, uh, an alcoholic that he has lost someone that he loved that You know that he doesn't like necessarily being a spy, and um, is not well regarded within the organization with which he works because he he's not a he's a kind of a happy person who's becoming embittered to his life. There are some really interesting character touches in this movie that support its help support its runtime, and that really carry the movie forward with a lot of heart for me.
0: Yeah, there's no shortage of characters in this movie. Um, and, you know, a lot of the characters have depth. Just think about the, you know, the um, character who's just... Like, they're just supporting characters who really have a lot of depth to them. Like the two guys from the U.S. government that are after Ethan Hawke. They've been in the other movies, too. Well, at least the, the lead has been. But his sidekick, they have whole scenes where they talk about the ethics of their hunting Ethan Hawke and whether Ethan Hawke is right. And that's a major point in the plot or the girl i think she's called paris i think she was in um, the fallout as well so these are like minor characters who are pretty fleshed out um yeah so they 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 do use their time and they did oh man you you know my most my uh here's here's the thing of the plot that like was like i was almost laughing that it's so pathetic it's like when he takes the hard drive and he's like ethan i gotta take this hard drive now we put too many people in this yeah. movie, so I'm not going to be allowed to have yeah, any yeah. more scenes. So I've got to disappear. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Simon Peggy You can
1: almost see Big Rames yeah. see, see going. Man, can't wait to get back to the trailer. You know.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. Like he's seriously saying, I can't be in the movie anymore. It's too crowded.
1: Well, you know, you. Brought they told up...
0: me when we shot this scene, it wouldn't be in yeah. the movie, and then they edited me out for a, an hour.
1: <laughs> you brought up Tom uh, uh, Clementine, and of course, she's well known I, I, as I as I recall from Guardians of the Galaxy um, and playing the character oh of Mantis. And um, you might not recognize her here because she not only just because she doesn't have an antenna, but she is again. I'll say it again. These Mission Impossible movies play like classic James Bond movies in in certain ways. And I feel like they stole from James Bond the things that made James Bond so fun. And do them better than James Bond does them these days. And one of them is the character of Paris. She is a gleeful, merciless, brutal assassin. And... I love her in this film. Um, also, it's a, a great joy to see uh, uh, Henry Zerny back as Kittredge. Um, Henry Zerny is one of those guys I can watch read the phone book. Uh, if you saw Ready or Not, he was in an amazing movie a couple of years ago called The Righteous. Uh, horror movie. Both of those actually are horror movies. Notes from the Underground, if you've never seen it. Um just gravitas and fun and looks like a government stooge all at the same time. Great, great stuff. Um, so, you know, and we have like, I'd like
0: to shout out the casting director too. I'm giving the director and the editing a lot of credit, but you're really highlighting that they have a great, this, this franchise has some freaking great casting directors like, um, you know, uh, let's see. Vanessa Kirby, she plays the White Widow. She's in the previous oh. movies too, at least in Fallout. What else has she been in? She's amazing, and I, I, <laughs> I it's, it's, and know. that's just like an example off the top of my brain. But you 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 Vanessa brought Kirby up uh, Palm Clinton.
1: You know, oh, crown, you're right. Yeah, uh,
0: you're, you're, yeah I'm rec- I'm woman. seeing her in my brain now. But Essay uh, Morales is back as Gabriel. You know. Uh, They they just found great people. They found the perfect people, and in my opinion, they directed them really well.
1: How can we not mention Haley Atwell? I melted every time she smiled. She is not only a great, stunning, feminine character, but she plays this pickpocket. She does it perfectly. And she also manages to handle the pathos of a character that would have been just a sidekick in another movie. But in this movie, she's given things to feel and do. Um, There's a moment in this movie with Simon Pegg where I held my breath. And I'm not going to tell anybody what it is. But I bet you know what it is when you see the film. And uh, I will only say this about the franchise. This is part one. And they telegraphed some things in this movie. And we aren't gonna we aren't gonna spoil that for you, but Are were you thinking dreading. it
0: before I said it, Dave? Because no, it's not too subtle, but it's not it's not also unsubtle, but they were there were some foreshadowing, yeah.
1: I am dreading what's gonna happen <laughs> in part two. I am not sure that I wanna if this if they're willing to take this to the wall, they could, you know. They 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 could do some devastating things, um, and it's going to depend on what they want to do, you know. Uh, so, I mean, amazing. Stuff. You know, Haley
0: Atwell was actually in another movie we did this year, wasn't she? She plays the. She was in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, that, wasn't she? Because
1: right.
0: she plays the. Was um,
1: Captain Carter. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I was. I was thinking the like. Other yeah. Captain Carter. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and you know she's an event. She's Peggy Carter in the Avengers and the TV series. And... Yeah, she should
0: reprise that role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's she's
1: she's 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 been around. She kind of well, she's been around a long time. I mean, I think she's been doing her thing since the early two thousands. Um, and uh, she's just gotten better and better. Um, and uh, I, I yeah I. I, I, I Vanessa think...
0: Kirby is apparently in Napoleon. No way! So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know really? who she plays, but yeah. So.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, but other than that, yeah. Pretty un- she plays Empress Josephine in Napoleon. Yeah. A big so part of the plot, her of her I'm trailer, if I'm correct. <laughs> That's right. Uh, luckily, Napoleon's only going to be five hours long. Uh, really no it's only two boy
0: that's quite an age difference time. joaquin phoenix and uh her but um maybe it's yeah, not I'm, actually i don't know i should i should know more again. before i speak
1: joaquin has the has the leading the young leading ladies he's got gaga and uh and joker 2 here younger uh, younger leading lady um i forget
0: joaquin phoenix well, See, guess... he, the thing is i think tom cruise is younger than he is and i think uh joaquin phoenix is older than he is it's like joaquin phoenix is only 48 and tom cruise is 61 uh i could easily have had those reversed
1: (laughs) well and one thing and one thing i'll say about tom cruise in this film is that they don't play up his physique a ton they don't like go out of their way to do any of that um his face he looks a little bit more his age these days uh, a little more he weathered. looks like he's had a lot of plastic um,
0: surgery, more and more. But he looks great. I mean, he looks great for his age, and he's in great shape. He's in yeah, better shape than me. Yeah, but yeah. And he's he's aging. We we all do. Yeah.
1: And you see him aging, which I which I find refreshing. Um. Yeah, and I and I have to say, I do think people are going to go back on over Tom Cruise's career, and they're going to remember him for a lot more than Mission Impossible uh as people who study film and write about film and think about film, um he's done so many different things so well um uh, and uh you know he grabbed a hold of this man like this was gonna be his last stand this is this is it this is the hill I die on you know and he has Tom, something he there's
0: nothing wrong with these it's movies that. and it, it, he's Tom Cruise. You know, he could go and like kill a bear in the woods and get an Oscar, get more Oscars. You know, but
1: kill a bear in the woods and then groan for like two hours.
0: People will know what I'm talking about. People will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But I, I, I I think he's. I don't fault any of. You know, I think he's made great career decisions, and he picks movies that are good. You know, he, he's made some stinkers, but I'm thinking, you know, when you said like, he's not going to be remembered by Mission Impossible, I was thinking of last year's Top Gun. I think that's a great movie. That's a movie about America and I know it didn't do great, but that's there's nothing wrong with these movies that just because they're made to appeal to, you know, uh, just because it's not a, 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 you know, let's just bring in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, just because it's not like a, uh, 18th century lesbian love story on an island doesn't mean that it's not touching the humanity and making connections with people. I, and
1: well, Rain Man is a fine film. I, he's very good in that. You know, Magnolia is another. And he's
0: so film. good. To he's here's so the thing: good. I know Tom Cruise has, you know, there he's complicated as all rich and powerful people are, but he's so good to production in Cruise. If you are like third grip on a movie and you say, "Hey, Tom, I'm getting married. He'll send you something He sent so many people wedding gifts, letters he you know he's built up some goodwill, and of course, there's some dark sides to him too, but yeah. he is he's he's one of the nicest guys
1: well i mean I, I think when we when we imagine Hollywood,
0: I look forward to your emails.
1: Uh... <laughs> When we imagine Hollywood, I mean, I think we we want to encounter people who are more like ourselves. I think hopefully he's getting more and more away from being identified with things that, that make him seem weird. Um, no, he's not. He's an
0: alien from outer space, and he, if you listen to <laughs> Simon Pegg, it's like I was saying, he's totally unreachable and untouchable, but he's still nice, but he is he is a god that will descend into your world and he's an alien from outer space he's not like getting more relatable <laughs> he just happens to be a benevolent creature that occasionally will appear in your you know your, your life um but no he's totally listen to simon Pegg's interview about this much more up to date than my info but he's totally unrelatable he's an alien it's like he he's the last movie star
1: Well, I mean, I think that's a great place. I think that's a great place to, um, I mean, that's a, that's a great comment to end, to end on is the, is this business of, you know, movie stars, um, and Hollywood and the desire to like take these blockbuster rides out into the stratosphere of our imaginations and our sense of wonder and, um, that uh you know even the movies that even the movies that maybe haven't been perfect this year um have uh, have managed to do some of that um uh, uh this summer um there are movies I haven't seen I didn't get to see guardians three or fast x I've seen them all, all I've movies. seen every movie have you really I have Seriously? seen
0: every movie that was released this year
1: get out of my life. you
0: There are still a few Czech movies that I haven't seen, but (laughs) I'm closing the gap.
1: I'll write you a check.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just totally raining on your like bringing it together parade. And it's like, we all learned something today, children. Uh, What did we learn? It doesn't matter how bad your script is. If Tom Cruise is in your movie. He'll jump from a train and everything will be fine. The end.
1: <laughs>
0: it's not a bad script. It's not a bad script. It just has some moments of, um, well, it has some moments of, uh, you know, explaining exposition.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we're, you know, we did talk about talking about the rest of the summer, but I, what do you think? What's My, our next I, movie? Well, we're doing, we're doing Oppenheimer. You and I are seeing that in, uh, tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, Woo! I'm, I'm excited. That trailer has me going. Um, and, um, if you have a choice between that and Barbie this weekend, I guess that's going to say a lot about you, uh, as a person. Um, also uh, opening this week, um, and let's not forget, Barbie is directed by Greta Gerwig. We're all hoping that's going to be good because uh, Greta has done some marvelous things in the last few years, um, including a wonderful version of Don Delillo's movie White Noise uh, that she starred in for her husband, or I'm sorry, her partner Noah Baumbach um, last year, uh, that I thought was underrated. But um, the movie Talk to Me, which is a horror movie uh, that I was able to see uh, last week with about 900 people at the Music Box Theater, people were screaming, shouting. Uh, If you've seen the trailer, it is uh, pretty freaky. Um, And the movie is genuinely scary and frightening and fun and has a great uh, bunch of performances and I think it's very well written. So, going to be a weird, uh, a weird weekend. We'll see what happens. We got Nolan up against Gearwig, up against Horror, which is we all know these days a big.
0: But big again, we are doing Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer.
1: <laughs> yes, we are doing. Well, unless
0: the unless something happens, we will be talking <laughs> about Oppenheimer next time, and not any of these other movies, which we're now talking. <laughs>
1: You know what I heard about Oppenheimer? I heard it's going to be a big bomb.
0: <laughs> I have been. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's got two of my yes. favorite people working today, so. Um,
1: Outstanding. I'm cast.
0: looking forward to it. Uh, if it's anything like Dunkirk, if it's Dunkirk with atomic bombs, I'm going to be incredibly happy. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. I might see,
1: see Barbie. I'd, I'd like to see Barbie. Uh, um, and I'd like to see a lot of these other films that came out. Um, not Transformers, but I would like to see a lot of the others that have come out this year um, for the summer. In fact, another one we didn't even mention is John Wick. John Wick 4. Uh, and I don't know we how we skipped that. I just, I, I don't know. I think life just, life had us by the nose hairs there for a little while and we weren't just didn't fit in. Yeah. All right, bad. well
0: I'll talk you to you talk to you next week, Dave.
1: All right. Talk All about right. Oppenheimer.